Cultivated Marketer, Episode 14, Jessica Best, Part 2. We're going to be talking with Jessica, continuing our conversation about the speaking circuit and tips if you want to become a public speaker. We'll talk her work in the community. She serves on the board for KCUR, the local NPR affiliate, as well as another board membership that's a little bit more creative. And then we're going to discuss attributes of great teammates and what she's looking for when she's hiring. So make sure to check out this episode of Cultivated Marketer. Welcome to Cultivated Marketer, where we talk marketing professional development so your garden of opportunity grows. This is Brent Bowen, and I'm out without my partner in crime today, Matt Tidwell. He is making himself very known at the IABC International World Conference, and so I'm recording this while he's attending that activity. And unfortunately, I was not able to participate in that conference, although it was virtual this year, just wasn't able to make the schedules work to be there this week. One of the things I am getting involved with, though, is now that things are opening up a bit, I'm getting involved in Social Media Club of Kansas City. We're seeing a lot of the membership organizations starting to ramp up activities, and Social Media Club is no exception to that. And I'll be serving as the advocacy chair for Social Media Club, and I'll be making mention of some of the activities. We just had an activity pass where we had a a freelance speaker do a Zoom Zoom call and talk about, you know, if you want to get into being a freelancer, what what does that look like? And we'll have future speaking engagements, and I'll make mention of those here. But on this episode, and a quick little summary, I don't want to keep you from Jessica, but a quick little summary as we spend some time with Jessica in part two of our discussion, continuing our conversation about how she got started as a public speaker. She's spoken internationally on email and data-driven marketing. She's even spoken at South by Southwest. If you haven't heard the first part of our conversation with Jessica, make sure to go back and check out part one of our conversation with Jessica as she talks about how she really got started on the speaking circuit. And in this episode, what she talks about are tips for individuals that might be interested in getting started as a speaker. The other thing we unpack with her a little bit is Jessica has been extremely involved in the Kansas City, not only the marketing community, but civically minded. And she participates in Te Deum, which is a music organization. We kind of under, you know, we speak to her and understand what she does with Te Deum. And then we also get to know a little bit of, about her work with KCUR, the NPR affiliate. I think it's really interesting that, you know, Jessica spends a lot of her day working on highly technical data-driven marketing campaigns and work for clients. 
And then in her free time, she's still doing some marketing or journalistic activities, but more the traditional sense with KCUR, but she probably helps, I'm sure, bridge and bring her digital marketing expertise to those conversations as well. And then the last thing that we speak to Jessica about are attributes of what she looks for in good teammates and when she's looking to hire what she's trying to bring to the table. And it was really interesting. This part of the conversation with Jessica struck me in particular where, and I often will look at the same set of skills. It's not what you've done in the past, but it's your attitude. And then also maybe your aptitude to pick up new things. And I think in her world, the data-driven marketing, things are changing so dramatically. And it's such a different skill set. It's not your traditional creative skill set, but it's more a analytical skill set a lot of times and a problem-solving skill set. I think she's looking for that aptitude. And she spoke to that. And she also spoke about how a lot of people, when they get into the industry, aren't necessarily thinking about email or data-driven marketing. And so it was almost a call to arms or a plea, if you will, to start to consider that as a, as a possible career choice, which I, which I found very fascinating. Well, just to look forward into the series, let you know, Matt and I, next set of episodes, we're looking to kick off a mentorship series of episodes. So we're going to bring on some guests. They're going to talk about the idea of mentorship and what it means to them. And from multiple viewpoints, maybe professionals that are a little bit younger in their career, as well as maybe a professional or two as they reflect on their career, talking about mentorship and what it's meant to them. So I'm not going to keep you from Jessica, let you get into that, but I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jessica and we'll look forward to having you back with us when we kick off our mentorship series next time. Here's Jessica Best continuing our conversation about speaking circuit, community, and attributes of good teammates. And it is such a great way, you know, as I think I've done some, not, not anywhere near to the level that you have, but occasionally I'll do a speaking engagement. And it strikes me that as we talk about personal brand, branding, that really is a fantastic strategy. What, what advice would you share with marketers or anyone really who has an, an interest in doing, you know, more of that kind of kind of speaking events or, or just a, what, what's the best way to start? I guess the best way to say. Yeah, just like anything, it, you have to have experience to get experience and it's obnoxious, but you would be surprised who is open to the idea of free education. <laughs> the Nonprofit Connect group has reached out almost every year, and I still say yes to them. I still say yes to universities, frankly, because it's something that even if my speaking style had not been perfect, I'd be able to teach you something. So I have always valued higher education. I have always tried to give back to a generation. I didn't learn email marketing in school. There wasn't an email marketing class. I didn't come out with like a $40 ROI, just like ready to hand out to somebody. So I'm trying to help build that into our digital marketing education through KU, through MCC, through JCCC, so many letters. But 
that was really important to me. It's also a really great way just to get started because a lot of educators are looking for people who are doing it as their every day. And it's really good practice to be able to offer your services in that way. And then to be get a little practice in front of a group of students who at least are getting credit for paying attention. They still may not pay attention, but they are at least incentivized to pay attention <laughs> for class. And I would say that's the other thing. This isn't really a tip. It's just sort of a if you're not sure you can get up and, and talk about what you do in front of people, two things. One, you're not getting up and giving a speech or singing a song. You're teaching people what you do. And it's very different to feel empowered to share what you've done well or to share what you've done wrong and what you've learned along the way. It's very different. I couldn't get up and speak in front of a group of people on Tonka trucks, right? I, I do what I do because I love what I do. I speak about what I do because I love what I do. The second thing I've learned is I just talked about how much I love higher ed. Adult education is a different animal. When you start speaking at conferences, especially when you're paid to speak at conferences, the level of attention that you get that's different. I, I have spoken at Johnson County Community College and had about 50% attention and thought, high five me. That was really a strong attention span. If you go to a conference where somebody's company had to pay $3,000 for them to go get that education, they are wrapped. You have their attention completely. And then you probably are going to get engaging questions at the end where they're trying to apply this. And it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding not only to teach it, but for them to really need that information and to come to you to help develop their plan to put it into action. Great question. <laughs> this is obviously something I'm really passionate about. It was it was great to hear you talk about the civic component to that. So for you to talk about where to start, and that's a great place to start. And that's actually where we want to go. As so you were talking about nonprofit connect, right? Yeah. And and one of the things that Matt and I love to see about your experiences is how civically minded you are. And so you've, there's been a lot of support throughout the years. I know within the, the local nonprofits and personal involvement on different boards. So we talked about KCOR and in the, the intro, and then there's this little sneaky organization we want to ask you about Tadeum most recently that's, that's on here. So but first, what we want to ask, because, you know, we're obviously doing audio today. What is a community advisory board member? What do they do for radio? Because oh, Matt question. and I are both lovers of radio. So what, what is that with KCUR, that, what you're doing there? So KCUR is, as you said, the NPR station in Kansas City. And it's a little bit of a unique thing that the GM, Nico Leone, who has now moved to Texas, but he had instituted this idea of a community advisory board where literally just members of the community came into a room every other month and heard what was going on with the radio station. He could ask questions. Is this valuable to you? Is this the direction you want your public radio station to go? They could announce things like they could, they could share like the, the first time they did radioactive, the fundraising gala in June, they shared that with the community advisory board and talked about, you know, what is the value of something like that? And, and what came of that is there was as much interest in meeting a few hundred other NPR news nerds <laughs> in Kansas City as there was supporting the station because the station has a fundraiser, a drive that does really well twice a year. So this would be like a big investment, a big hullabaloo, but it was worth it to actually create a sense of community. And that was something that kind of he'd pressure tested with the community advisory board. 
I cheated in getting involved. <laughs> I actually got involved through their Generation Listen organization, which is their quote unquote young listeners. We don't card people, but generally the younger listeners and Gen Listen is something that national NPR has, but that Kansas City has always had a really strong chapter of. We're strong with our chapters in Kansas City in general. And I had gotten involved because of Radioactive and they were asking if I'd be interested in leading their young leaders group, ended up on the marketing team, ended up as the chair. So I'm currently the chair of KCUR's Generation Listen group. So long way around, the chair of that group also sits on the community advisory board. So I sort of cheated. I got, I got my way onto the board, got my, my seat at the table partially by volunteering for sort of a board service position. That's not cheating. I'm on the board. I, I, I'm on the board of an arts organization. We bring on a lot of Kansas City Young Audiences, which does arts education at elementary to middle school, and a lot of. And this is why the interest in in the other organization. I was when I saw that, and I was super fascinated by that based on my participation in the arts civically. And but that's the way we bring a lot of board members on or through volunteer positions and different committees, right? So it's, it's, it's like succession planning at a corporation. It right? actually really is. <laughs> really? And I will tell you, nothing has prepared me better for management than leading a board of people. I was the president of the Kansas City Direct Marketing Association a number of years ago as well. Nothing is harder. Nothing in business is as hard as being the president of an organization of volunteers that don't have to do what you say. Mm -hmm. You have to learn to lead with vision and enthusiasm and gratitude instead of assigning things to people, which for me, especially to have learned thankfully at a youngish age, I have taken that into my management style day to day. Volunteering for KCDMA and Tedeum and water.org and harvesters has been part of my career path, has been part of my education. So on Tedeum, it's it's music based. Help help us understand the mission really quick. Yeah, I, I was curious about the. Are you a singer yourself? I am, and I think a lot of the board. That's probably where our love for this type of music comes from. Tedeum, the the overarching mission of Tedeum is to feed people spiritually through music. Right. If we were just to strip everything else away, it's mostly spiritual music, but it's a wide variety. It could be everything from Moses Hogan to, I mean, we have acapella pieces, we have organ, we have an organist. Oh, it's so cool. We have an organist that will play with these big juicy sounds, right? But the idea is if you've ever been to a concert or heard a song or heard the chants in a, a chapel and felt churched, <laughs> if that feeds you spiritually, that's what Te Deum is. And I went to a concert with a friend of mine who at the time was on the board. He asked if I'd be interested, knew that I was a singer myself, that I had done choral music for a number of years. And even though I don't sing a lot, I don't get to sing a lot anymore. He took me to a concert and I just remember sitting there in absolute awe, hearing the songs reverberate against this beautiful golden dome church downtown. And I thought, I mean, this is church. This is why I go. I like what they say in the pulpit, but this is what I am in this room for. And I told him that, and he immediately recruited me to the board. <laughs> so I've been on the board for about three years ever since. <laughs> yeah. You felt inspired, and now, thus, Jessica, you will inspire. So That's right. That's right. <laughs> I will be on yet another board or committee, and I'm happy to do it. Well, I loved what you said about, you know, really 
cutting your management teeth in that in that volunteer board leadership experience. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. I found the same thing myself, and you know, and many times that re- we we if you get that opportunity, particularly at a younger age, it can really pay off for you as you as you move up in your career. So, so that's terrific. You know, I'm interested, Jessica. One of the things we like to do on the show is is talk to leaders in the field about younger people coming up because that's certainly a passion of mine and, and where I'm spending the latter part of, of my career. And, and so really, really interested in takes on that. And, and you know, so and, and obviously professional development being a, a mission for our show. It, it, you've, you've been a leader now in the field for a while. When, when you look for young people to progress through your organization or maybe you're in, you're high in hiring mode, what are, what are some of the attributes that you're looking for in, in younger folks when either hiring or, or maybe bringing them onto your team if they're already in your organization, things like that? What, what's the secret? What, what, what kinds of things are you looking for in, in folks that are maybe, you know, instead of like us with a, a decade or two or three of experience, maybe only just have a couple of years? That has been one of the tricks. And if you guys have the answer, you, you let me know. But what I've learned, what I've learned as I try and grow is, Again, nobody comes in with a degree in email marketing or even database marketing. A lot of what people learn in marketing is TV and radio advertising, one to many. So the idea of being able to do this personal, triggered, automated, measured, individualized side of marketing just isn't a concept that everybody has. What I've found is rather than looking for somebody with experience, I'm looking for somebody with an analytical brain. I, I've made the mistake before of hiring somebody and then a year in asking her, you know, I was, I was kind of helping her with a report that she was doing. And I was like, um, let me put this in in whatever box fits for you, right? How, how do you learn things? What was your favorite math class in high school or college? And she goes, oh, no, I hated math. And I was like, oops, this job comes with math. <laughs> now, it's not like calculus, but if you don't have that natural curiosity to solve the equation, if you don't want to know why this worked or what worked, even if you don't need to, even if you don't get to the why today, if you don't want to know what worked, that natural curiosity has to be there to be a really great data-driven marketer and especially a really great email marketer. We are a channel that learns by what performs. We are, we are lucky that we get results for almost everything that we do, even if it's things like open and click-through rates or time spent on the website or when we're really lucky, online orders. So that natural curiosity or that desire to figure it out is a non-negotiable for me at this point. I think you can be really good at the process of getting beautiful emails out the door, but what my team really needs is somebody who can solve for the best return on investment. And that's, that's what my expectation is. And if you don't know even how to formulate return on investment, that's okay. I just think there's a natural sense of people I want to learn every day or I'm self-motivated or there are these things that you can kind of look for. And as a, a student, as somebody who is coming into the marketplace, be curious. I mean, don't fake it, but be, be curious in the way that, you know, we talked about speaking for nonprofit organizations to cut your teeth Offer to audit the email program for your favorite nonprofit. If you care about Wayside Waves, ask them to take a peek at their emails and figure out what's working. And it's not, it's not rocket science. It is math. I'm not going to lie. It is math. You can't get out of it. But it's not rocket science if you literally exported the results of somebody's email program for the year and then sorted by open rate, you'd learn something. If you sorted by unsubscribe rate, you'd learn something. 
That's what I need. I need somebody who looks at it and goes, oh, there's an answer there. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get to that answer. You know, I want that to be something that somebody can do and that they can dig into on their own, even if they don't get a lot of training in an area. Because we also don't have a really long (laughs) on-ramp in most agencies. We're going to tell you where the bathrooms are and we're going to tell you what job number to put it under. And I'll show it to you once. And then after that, just ping me if you have questions is like my, somebody's going to put that on my tombstone. Ping me if you have questions. What I mean is try it and then ping me if you think you might've done it wrong. (laughs) So I think just being a natural trier is part of that too. Yeah. Here, let us introduce you to the deep end of the pool. That's right. Yeah, within the first, you've toured the home. You've had ten minutes in the home. Here's let let me introduce you to the deep end of the pool. That's right. I will say I try to at least be. We try not to overwhelm with volume, even if you don't know the answers to things. And what I mean by that is any job, let your manager know how you best learn. Do you need to see it? Mm -hmm. Do you need to hear it? Do you need to write it down? Do you need to practice it and come back? figure out what your best style of retention is and communicate that and be your best advocate because what your manager needs you to do is what she just showed you and fast so that she can show you another thing. So try and really be your own best educator, take your own notes, make sure that you're making sure that you get enough time to absorb it so that the next thing you learn isn't just going into a full cup, if that makes sense. Boy, that is such great advice because, you know, I see young people all the time. They'll get a new job and they're so focused on 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 sort of making a good impression, right? And, and you know, doing what they perceive as, as the right thing and, and you know, maybe what's in the, in the KPIs or whatever. But boy, what an important first task in a new role is to is to have that, you know, deep conversation with your manager or your, or your, your boss in terms of here's how I retain, here's how I best learn because that, that helps them. Yeah. That's right. They want to get it right the first time too. I mean, I I spent years teaching people in the way that I best learned before I was like, oh, actually, what if we started on your first day (laughs) telling me, because there's also a speed to learning, right? There's also some people hear it once and gosh, it's in the Rolodex forever. And I love those people. If you are one of those people, come talk to me. We will make an open position for you. If you're a person that needs to see it or needs to do it, before you actually retain it. So sometimes you see it and you write your notes down and that's fine and well and good. But then I would encourage people to get very comfortable with the idea of, can I do it and have you check my work? Meaning it is uncomfortable to sit in front of the vice president of data-driven marketing and have her watch you while you do something, checking your notes to see if it's right. But that's literally what I expect. I expect you to be able to do it and to ask me when you have a stumble or a question. So it's really interesting. You've walked through this, right? For somebody that's maybe new to the role, but as mm-hmm. somebody that's stayed a bit of time in the deep end of the pool, <laughs> what what kind of things are you focusing on for your own professional development? Yeah, gosh, I feel like me and the deep end, we're we're buddies now. <laughs> I, I live with water up to my eyeballs all day long. You know. Yeah, if we were on Zoom, my background is me in an aquarium. Matt knows this, so I'm constantly in water. So I'm feeling you there, Jessica. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm sure at some point in my 20s, I thought, man, I can't wait till I know all the things. I have never had a day where I thought, thank God I know the answer to everything that came across my desk today. I don't. I, I love learning. I'm hungry for learning. And some days it just feels like drowning instead of swimming lessons. <laughs> 
I mostly spend my time digging into how the data is stored and how it gets to where I can use it for marketing. So the next step up for me after things like ECRM, email marketing, loyalty programs, digital marketing, using data, the next step up for me is true CRM, not CRM marketing, literally talking about how the data architecture and where we store data or where we share data or move data in order to activate against it, how that's set up to be most optimized. One of the biggest projects on my plate right now, and one that I have a huge sense of satisfaction after weeks and weeks of dread, not knowing how I was going to get this thing done. I basically wrote a thesis on the data architecture for one of my clients. Uh, It's called a functional requirements document. And it's something that our database architect used to do. And it's the first time I've ever done one on my own. And it is huge (laughs) and terrifying, but I am once all that is out on paper and it just turns out that I needed to take it one bite at a time, just like anything else, it was so satisfying just to get in and do something new. That was hard. It was really hard (laughs) Um, and trying something new all the time. Yeah. You're, you're hearkening back to my days at Sprint now T-Mobile where I was writing functional requirements documents. It is definitely an acquired skill. (laughs) Definitely an acquired An acquired taste as well, I think. (laughs) Well, Jessica, it's been awesome talking to you about data, doing good and some tips on professional development. Anything else you'd like to mention that, that we may have missed? You know, the one thing I would say, and I so appreciate you guys asking in this vein, I am a big believer in education myself. And I understand that education is coming in a lot of different ways these days, asking for projects on the side or volunteering. If you want to work in an industry or you have a brand you want to work for, and you just don't know what part of marketing you're interested in, take email marketing for a spin. Because there's no formal education, if you can get two years of experience in email marketing and prove that you're in it and that you like to learn what works for each individual brand, and you get the concept of email marketing in about two years, you can write your ticket. You can certainly call me anytime. And I don't know why anyone wouldn't take you up on that at $40 in email ROI. That's right. Boy, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Jessica Best, everyone. It's been so great to chat with you. Thanks, Jessica, for joining us. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you guys so much. It's so great to spend this morning with you. You bet. If you found value in today's episode, check us out on our website, cultivatedmarketer.com. You'll also be able to subscribe to us, rate us, and leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Remember, a garden of opportunity grows with Cultivated Marketer. Cultivated Marketer.